Welcome to the Scotland's Choice podcast. The journey to our referendum is underway, so join us as we discuss how together we can build a fairer, a more equal and a more prosperous Scotland. Our goal is to ensure that our listeners are informed, that they're encouraged to get involved and will hopefully inspire others to think about the possibilities for Scotland. The past few years have only served to highlight what allowing Westminster to make choices for us is like. So let's make the choices we want for our families and our communities right here in Scotland. I'm your host, Drew Hendry MP. Now let's find out who's joining me on Scotland's Choice today. My name is Brendan O'Hara. I'm the Member of Parliament for Argyland Butte. Brendan, uh, thanks for joining us in this Scotland's Choice Westminster Roundup edition. Um, we've obviously had a really busy week here. I want to start off, though, before we go into that, with uh, touching on the special conference that the SNP are holding for all its members. It's going to be a big event. We've got a couple of questions to really uh, digest there about how we take forward the independence movement. Uh, we've had Mike Russell down visiting the MPs here and talking about trying to get our views and having a discussion here. You're going, and I'm going to do the same, so I think it's a great idea. You're going to hold an event in your constituency, though, aren't you? Yes, and I think when you said it's a big event for the party, it is, but it has to be more than an event. It has to be a, that has to be the culmination of, if you like, a national conversation that we have within the party. So every part of Scotland, every party member has to be part of that conversation. And because of how serious and how important this decision is, I took the decision that we would, in Argyll and Butte, have our own special mini-conference and every single member has been invited um, and we will run it as a day-long conference and if you, if anyone wants to participate, if they want to make sure that their elected representatives or their delegates want to know what the people of Argyll and Butte think, or the members of Argyll and Butte, the SNP think, then this is where to do it. And it's good that you're doing that because, like I say, I'm going to be taking that idea and running it with myself. I'm sure other colleagues will as well. And I think members and other people that are interested in independence should look out for these kinds of uh, events where they get a chat before uh, that special conference. Yeah, I think it's hugely important. I think we all, as a party, as a membership, as a movement, you know, what we decide in March is going to be crucial to how mm. we go forward. And we've got to have these wider view as we possibly can and everyone has got to take ownership mm. when that decision is made now there will be varying decision uh, varying opinions but as long as everyone's heard and everyone has had their say then we coalesce around the decision that is ultimately taken. And, and that decision is becoming far more important as every week go by and this past week in particular has really shone a light of Westminster on why Scotland needs to be making decisions in Scotland. They're not only taken there, but are respected there as well. And I'll come back to some of those things in a minute. But first of all, you know, we're recording this on the day of Prime Minister's questions. Stephen Flynn, the Westminster leader, has just uh, stood up a very short time uh, before the, we, our chat here and uh, asked Rishi Sunak to, uh, for some advice. What, what did he say? He was superb today. He's got a very deadpan style about him which I think and he's very direct and he's generally very short and he unnerves the Prime Minister magnificently and he asked him today what would he do in terms of giving someone financial advice <laughs> should they seek the, the advice of the chair of the BBC or 
should they go to the, a former chancellor who has like um, had to pay back millions of pounds, including a large penalty to the HMRC, or perhaps achieve non-dom status? as the Prime Minister's wife so famously did. Then these are all issues that are haunting oh, uh, Rishi Sunak's government. Absolutely haunting him. And particularly, and it's always a danger with politicians, that when you, in that moment of euphoria, when you say, this is going to be different, this will be about probity, this will be about accountability, this will be about transparency. His, uh, his words are accountability, integrity and professionalism, oh, aren't they? That's what he, that's what he promised. And... and so, when you promise that, yeah. it's a lovely soundbite. But see when you know that you're presiding over a dripping roast of sleaze, you know you're not going to deliver and, that. And, that and this has been this has been in the pipeline. Uh, and he's been caught out and his ministers have been caught out and the Tories have been caught out and the UK government have been caught out once again. And that grease is dripping onto him day, day by day. But well, but it, in addition to pointing out the failures domestically in terms of, you know, their behaviour over tax and, uh, you know, as you say, non-dom status, dodgy loans uh, from people who are applying for jobs. I mean, we've heard for years some of the things that go on here about cash for honours, you know, where people, you know, can make... Uh, a donation to the Tory party and suddenly find themselves either in a, a job or becoming a lord. I mean, this is something we're used to. Um, but but the past week, even though, we, sorry, I should say, even though we shouldn't be used to it, we shouldn't be putting up with it, which is why we need independence. But this past week has actually um, been pretty devastating for anybody who wants to defend the union. You, there's some big issues have happened over the past week, haven't there? Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right that it is... The, 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 the corruption, the sleaze and corruption at the heart of the UK state mm -hmm. is laid bare. It's a Westminster problem. Day mm. in yeah. and day out. Um, and Scotland has to get out mm. of it. Mm -hmm. But the, as we are trying to get out of it, so they are using every trick in the book to keep us here. And not only to keep us here, but to actively undermine our parliament and to mm -hmm. actively undermine what, Scottish democracy. What is the Governor-General clause? <laughs> That's, talk about being hoist by your own petard. <laughs> uh, 1997, I think it was Michael Ancrum, uh, during the debate on, on devolution, when they were put down the Scotland Act and this uh, Section 35 of the Scotland Act, which said, essentially, that Westminster has a veto. The veto clause. So it's never been used before mm -hmm. until. It's, got, until the, it's last been week. described as the nuclear button, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. it oh, very yeah. much the nuclear yeah. button. <clears throat> the, you know, only to be used when you are coming for a parliament. Mm -hmm. Those should be yeah. printed on it. And Michael Ancrum famously described Section Thirty Five as the the Governor General clause, <laughs> and they've used it. Yes, they've used it in the way that a Governor General might. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this is one man. Don't forget, this is. One minister, Secretary of State for Scotland, that yeah. can make this decision. It's, it has, it's not gone through Parliament. It has uh, echoes of, of uh, Jeff Whitlam mm. in, in Australia many, many years ago when he was Governor-General, and that's exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. and, and so the Scottish Parliament, you know, putting to aside the issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is, the Scottish Parliament, by a massive majority, have decided this is what the Scottish Parliament wishes to do in an area which is entirely and wholly devolved. Yeah. And one man has decided, actually, I don't want you to do that. 
and actually I have the power to stop you doing that and actually I'm going to press that nuclear button and I am going to stop you. That is incredible. It is incredible. There are two things that rise out from that. Um, one, the the fact that obviously you've got that ability here for Westminster just to stop something that's legitimately gone through. I think six years in the making, you know, went through with two thirds majority. Even if the SNP hadn't voted on it themselves, it would have gone through Parliament. I mean, that's how uh, cross party was, including some Tories. And yeah. people for, often forget that 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 legislation went through. And you're right to say, you know, this isn't about the issue. But the second part of this is it, this is also part of a a, a, a pattern that's been running for some time. I mean, I know you've been uh, dealing with, and I want to talk about this, the EU, retained EU law bill. Uh, I had to deal with the Internal Markets Act, which was probably the first onslaught, uh, assault on uh, the Scottish Parliament's powers because it uh, put legislation in place that can undermine the Scottish Parliament's decision on a number of things. Uh, but tell us about, you were you were uh, active in the EU, retained EU law bill. Yes, I, I, for my, my sins, I had to pilot the, uh, or shadow the, <laughs> the, the, the piloting of the, yeah. the retained EU law bill from its inception through to its passing uh, last week. And it's interesting that be here with you who did the um, Internal Markets, markets Act, yeah, yeah. because the two of them absolutely run in tandem. Yeah. One really doesn't work that well without the other. And they have been incredibly sneaky, mm-hmm. judicious, depending on what side of the fence you're on, in the way that they've done this. So they've introduced the Internal Markets Act and then they've brought in the retained EU law bill and together it's like a pincer movement mm-hmm. and it absolutely catches the Scottish Parliament and Scottish democracy in this pincer movement. And it means that areas in which are have been recognised since the start of devolution has been wholly and completely devolved the Scottish, the, the, the UK government mm-hmm. can now act. And the, the example I, I always give is the one of chlorinated chicken, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. So if the UK government decide that mm-hmm. chlorinated chicken is acceptable and they want it mm-hmm. and they allow chlorinated chicken into England, but Scotland remains in lockstep with Europe and we say, no, we want to maintain food standards, we're not allowing it. Mm-hmm. Then with the Internal Markets Act and the Retained EU Law Bill, or Act as it is now, mm-hmm. um, there is nothing to stop lorry loads of chlorine-washed chicken crossing the border mm-hmm. and appearing on our supermarket yeah. shelves. And it's exactly the same for hormone-injected beef uh, for, and so many other areas of, whether it's food production or animal mm-hmm. welfare yeah. standards. Uh, it's, and it's an awful piece of legislation. And, and a, in a moment, I want to talk about why this is you know, vitally important for people to understand the the, uh, the end product of this, the, the outcome of this. But I but also want to talk about another thing that's been through Parliament in the past week, which is the anti-strike uh, laws. I mean, we've seen these go through. They, um, they, they're looking to under, undermine further rights. So we've talked about the Internal Market Act, we've got this retained EU law uh, bill, which is uh, coming going through Parliament at the moment, and we've got this anti-strike legislation just now. All of them directly attacking people's rights because workers are people. They're people with families. You know, a lot of us are workers, and uh, you know this is going at the, to the heart of uh, people's rights, yeah. um, isn't it? So, you, tell us a wee bit about what you've well, seen. I there. mean, I, I think what 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 we're seeing is, as we predicted with Brexit, yeah. is a deregulatory race to the bottom. Yeah. It's to strip back worker rights. Mm-hmm. It's to strip, strip back environmental protection, it's to strip back 
anything which would impinge on big business or whoever's ability to turn it quick buck. It's 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 I say this race to the bottom, this unfettered, deregulated market mm -hmm. is, is is what they, they, they wish to create. Someone once described, you know, that we could become the Singapore of Europe. Well, that is that is nowhere you want to be if you're a worker or you're, yeah. you're poor or you're ill or you need protection because all of these things that we've taken for granted as members of the Euro or citizens of the European Union mm -hmm. for the past 50 years, they are being eroded and chipped away and they're being done at a rate which suggests to me that this government knows that it's in its dog days. Mm -hmm. This is a fag end of a dying government, mm -hmm. but it wants to rip everything up before it out the door because it knows that the people who are most likely to come in and replace them are not going to replace that Exactly. That so this, this is the point I wanted to pick up with you because you're talking about this fag end of a dying government, which I completely agree, but you can see it. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a, a extreme right-wing desperation um, that's put in place. But actually, the, the their main opponents, the official op opposition, Labour, are just tacking slightly, very ever so slightly, a gossamer leaf uh, to the left of them as they progress all this stuff. They're committed to Brexit as well. They can't even talk about it in the chamber, even though organisation after organisation, study after study, report after report is coming out saying this is doing enormous damage uh, to the UK. But obviously in our context, doing direct damage to Scotland, another impact from Westminster here. And yet the official opposition Labour are lock in lockstep with them. Yeah, and I think, I think that the Tories know that. And the Tories know that if that the further they go to the right, the further they move that centre of gravity in, in English politics, the further they move that to the right, the further Labour will have to roll back. And they do it in the full and certain knowledge that there's no way they can, or I would suspect even particularly want to roll mm -hmm. back to where we were. So the centre of gravity in Britain, English politics and therefore, unfortunately, British politics is now so far to the right of what it was mm -hmm. that society has changed. And, and they have, they, I, I hate to say the one because I refuse to accept it, that it, it has, yeah. it will always be like this, but there's every indication that they have been successful in changing that dial so far. Mm -hmm that it would be very, very difficult to roll back from. And you would have to have somebody who wanted to roll back. And I don't think Starmer is the man who wants to roll back. But there's certainly no indication of that happening because we're hearing Labour now talking about the privatisation of parts of the NHS. We're obviously hearing about them saying absolutely. And, you know, not directly quoting, but these words are pretty accurate. No way back into the EU, no way back into the single market, no way back into the customs union. That's definitely off the table. So they've they've absolutely nailed their colours to the Brexit self-harm mass. And, and of course, that's a, a, a harm for uh, Scotland. So I want to just tease out with you, talk about the thing that occurs to us all the time. It maybe doesn't quite resonate back home as much. If there's this move to direct rule, uh, which we've been talking about, the Governor-General clause and all of these bits of information, legislation that undermine the Scottish Parliament and change the the rules and the way that things are operating in Scotland. And what that naturally means is that uh, there'll be more and more decisions 
taken by Westminster impacting on people's lives. And, and do you ever, as I do, think about what it would be like if we were under Westminster control in Scotland just now? We'd have no free prescriptions. We'd have uh, the, the we'd have no child uh, payment every week. We've had no mitigation of the bedroom tax. We'd have sewage running into uh, streams and rivers through privatised water companies. We'd have less doctors, less nurses, less teachers, less policemen per head of population than the rest of the UK. That would be the the ultimate yeah. um, situation, wouldn't it? If if, if Westminster, if, if Tory Westminster, or indeed Tory light Labour mm. Westminster was running the all of the affairs for Scotland, all that protection is gone. It would, it would be utterly hideous. It mm. would be in, incredible, and I feel so sorry for And it. yet we're moving down that line. We, we're, we're, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, the, the Scottish Parliament as a a, a, a parliament with real powers and life-changing powers and powers over areas of domestic policy which affect people's day-to-day -day lives, that is disappearing. Mm -hmm. And th there is no status quo to defend. So when people say, oh, I defend the devolution settlement, the devolution settlement is being is being undermined day in and day out. And you're, you're, the phrase that you used, and it's one that Stephen used last week, is we are heading towards direct rule. And that's what they want. Mm. Now, they're not so stupid as they will like padlock the gates of, of Hollywood. But what they will do is they will diminish Hollywood Hollywood's role to such an extent that it's rendered meaningless. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we are we are getting to a stage now where people who quite like to devolution were a bit wary of going the whole hog to independence and wish it could stay as it was. But unfortunately that middle ground has been eaten up and it's been eaten up by a far-right Tory government who want these powers that you take for granted back to themselves so they can decide what you eat, how much sewage goes into yeah. your beaches. You know, it, yeah. all of these areas are your tuition fees, your, host, your uh, health service priorities. And my caution would be that people don't know what they have until it's gone mm -hmm. and don't be that person who wakes up one morning and says why did nobody tell me because mm -hmm. we are telling you they're coming for you they're coming for your parliament and they're coming for those things that you take for granted mm -hmm. every day of the week and of course one final thing before we wrap up brendan it, you know clearly we see down here the uh, the absolute shocking waste of uh, scotland's money people you know taxes that people have paid in scotland as well as the resource that we've seen coming through uh, the the tories uh, you know labor will try and kind of undermine you know the, the performance in scotland by saying oh you've got problems with your nhs time and time when we look at it in, in chamber the performance of for example the nhs in scotland is much better than it is in england you know things like uh, you know accident emergency and so forth all notwithstanding the fact that there are problems and they're uh, those need to be seriously addressed, uh, but the but, but we tend to do be doing better in Scotland. We're mitigating a lot of stuff, and there are mistakes that are made. We know that you know they've made great hay of uh, you know the ferry situation, but we've had ferry situations here in Westminster, haven't we? We've had uh, Chris Grayling spend fifty million pounds on a ferry a company that had no ferries and printed their 
uh, terms and conditions of a pizza menu. We've, you, you remember that one? I, mean, oh, I remember but, it well. <laughs> but, but it doesn't stop there. I remember since you know since we were elected in 2015, things like the Nimrod aircraft that were supposed to be deployed being scrapped at four billion pound cost. Never flew in the air. We've got the Ajax tanks at five point five billion pounds, yeah. and and they still can't uh, roll out onto any kind of field, let alone a battlefield. Um, just now, and the aircraft carriers, the aircraft carriers spent more time in dock than it has the, at sea, and the, eye watering costs. So they, they can't decommission the nuclear subs they've got sitting around. They've got, there's something like eight nuclear subs have been sitting for about a decade. Without, you know, and there are, and, and I'm only scratching the surface here. So when, when they deflect on the small uh, problems of, you know, the small air problems that are happening in Scotland, and, you know, no government's perfect. Yeah, but when they deflect on that, they really should look at that long, long, long list. We haven't talked about uh, PPE contracts and, uh, you know, billions wasted on duff equipment and so forth. But all of that's happening, isn't it, every week? Every single week. Yeah. I, I think you, the point you made is, is absolutely right. You know, that governing is difficult, mm. but governing with one hand tied behind your back is an almost impossible task. Mm. And the Scottish government has done a remarkable job. Mm. And it's done a remarkable job, and it has been recognised by the people who keep re-electing them. Mm. And if we were to listen to that mob in the chamber next door telling us how much the people of Scotland hate the SNP and how this time the SNP are about to get booted out of office, then you know, none of us would be here. Exactly. So they don't know. Mm -hmm. They're just angry. They're just mm -hmm. angry at the success. And I think as long as we don't try and pull the wool over people's eyes mm -hmm. that, you know, it's a that, you know, it's a panacea, that we are honest with people, that it's difficult and you know, it's difficult given the circumstances that we are thrilled to this place. But if we can do that and we can continue to have a government which the people believes, for all its faults, works in the best interests of Scotland and them and their families, then we can't ask for more. We will yeah. get things wrong, we will make mistakes, but as long as the people continue to believe that we are on their side, mm -hmm. then we will continue where we are and building that case for independence, which is becoming, it's, it's, it's immovable. Yeah. You know, it, it's just well, like never in my lifetime yeah. has independence, uh, you know, it's been desirable, mm -hmm. but now it's utterly essential. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Brendan O'Hara, MP, thanks very much for joining us on Scotland's Choice. If you're listening to this episode and want to hear more, please look up scotlandschoice.scot where you can find all the details for other episodes and more. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.